Welcome to Lunch in the Key of Life. This is Rivera. This song is Love and Hate in a Different Time by the Gabriels.
community 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 radio community 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 radio community 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 radio community radio for the San Francisco music scene bff.fm best frequencies forever how's your tuesday how's everyone doing hope you're having a great lunch we're going to play a block of music and then we have mean dave he's very intimidating he's so mean <laughs> yes yeah, <laughs> um, um, but first off, uh, I'm Rivera. You're listening to BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. What you just heard was Gabriel's with Love and Hate in a Different Time. And of course, we start off with a little bit of Erica Badu, Don't You Know. Up next, we've got Don't Play With My Heart, India Sean.
This is Ira Glass, this is American Life, and you're listening to BFF.FM. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. You're listening to Rivera with Lunch in the Key of Life, and our guest is Mean Dave. Welcome, Mean Dave. I feel welcomed. Thank you. We welcome you with open arms here at the Ferry Building. There's a. It's fun to be out. There's a lot going on. There's a. There's a farmers market. There's a couple of lost tourists, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you they're know they're being stared at right now. Kind oh of. hey! Yeah. Yeah, they're looking at us. Well, not really stared. They just passed by. They passed by us like they were window shopping and didn't want us. And That's what. If we. Yeah, like, we're smiling and waving. I've seen better. That's what they passed by, like looking at us, like. Yeah. So insulting. But yeah, no, they got a lovely farmer's market out here at the Ferry Building if you need uh, your veggies or your fruits or 
I think I, I saw a Proyecto caffeine drink that I'm like. All right, so um, you're a comedian. How'd you get your start in comedy? Uh, huh. uh, the, at a at a wonderful open mic that we used to have here in San Francisco at a place called. Um, but yeah, I did my first set. I was pretty hammered. Uh, I heard I was pretty mean to the audience, which made the comics laugh. But uh, I remember one joke from it. On Earth, and I was stuck in San Francisco. I'd go running around the town with a pair of scissors, cutting two things: uh, uh, dog leashes and earbud headphone cords. Good man. By the end of the day, I'm pretty sure. Because this is 2010. This would be for yeah. wireless earbuds. Uh -huh. So, and you're not laughing. So, and that's kind of what the audience was too. So, <laughs> it's like you just don't sound very nice there, Mean Dave. I'm like, yeah, that's probably why my name's Mean Dave. And I don't know. And um, it was a weird thing. It was it was weird because I I was doing an attitude that I used to do between between songs that worked very well at, at music shows. Mm -hmm. But then with the comedy audience, I used to say that it was like. Uh, it was like I was a prop comedian with a band as my prop, and if you take my prop away, my jokes don't work. Like my my whole act didn't work, but I didn't really have an act, so I had to. I basically had to develop one out of scratch. And yeah, that took but that's time. what all comedians do, right? Yeah, in a way. I, I don't know. Some people. I watched. I watched a few people take to comedy very much like a fish to water, mm -hmm. and I was. I, I mean, I was envious of it, but um, because. I didn't want to do stand-up. I love playing music. I was I always thought of myself. I mean, it's like Happy Gilmore, the movie Happy Gilmore, when he thought he was a hockey player, and then mm -hmm. he reluctantly finds that he's suited to golf. He doesn't want to play golf. He mm. just, but he slowly but surely, reluctantly finds that his skill set is better suited to golf. That's kind of what I found with comedy, because I, it's just not. It's not attractive to me. I knew I loved stand-up comedy growing up watching it. I was inspired by it. I, I wrote songs about it in my band and, or wrote songs inspired by comedians. But I wasn't... Uh, I knew that the, it was a world of, like, depressed personalities, much like the blues, that, you know, I'm like, half these guys kill themselves. You know, there's a mm -hmm. reason for that. They're sad yeah. clowns. And, the, and the, the you know, they might hit a peak and then they it doesn't last and all that kind of stuff. And then I got into it because I started realizing... Uh, a lot of my favorite comics grow old as and still do comedy as old men. And then I was like, well, I'm going to need a job when I can't lift 20 pounds. So this is your retirement plan. It, this essentially is. And this I'm is on your, track. I'm on track you're for on it, track? too. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I'm doing, I'm kind of working towards that pretty well. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. You yeah. know what? But the trauma makes for such good jokes. I guess. I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, trauma. I, I'm not, I've, I've, I've had a lifetime of really being embarrassed and, humiliated so i think that's what the other thing when it, uh when it came into stand-up like i was telling i also had a pretty bad drug problem that then comedy i would say helped me find recovery because i wanted to get better at comedy awesome and um but it was through a lot of stumbling a lot of humiliating myself which i was fairly comfortable with but i would need drugs and alcohol to be comfortable with that and then as i got as I got clean and sober and stuff, and I started, uh, you know, a lot of my life changed, and a lot of my, the way I wrote jokes and approached jokes, I wasn't, like, coming from some angry place as much as uh, more of just sort of, like, kind of, I, it's like being reborn as an idiot. And, uh, okay. and And trying to figure out my way through things. So. Okay. Yeah. So, yay for recovery. Yeah. But we got real deep. Anyway, I get deep sometimes. You know? I'm a deep person. Yeah, mean, mean, my joke is, mean Dave is just a nickname. It's short for meaningful David. 
So, oh, really? Yeah, it's one of my <laughs> That's one of lines. your jokes? Yeah. Okay. You got real meaningful on us. Um, so some of these songs are very meaningful to you. They're very meaningfully loud and mm. uh, aggressive. I, like I told you earlier, or I told her off the air, uh, uh, that the, the, I listen to a lot of songs that are long, so I tried to find shorter songs to better suit the radio format here. Uh, but yeah, my fir- the first song's from my favorite band, uh, The Melvins. And they, I picked a pretty short but sweet song from them here off of uh, an album with my favorite bass player in their band, Kevin Rootmanis. Awesome. Yeah. So are y'all ready for this heavy set? Let's do it. <laughs>
BFF.FM is an award-winning community radio station coming to you 24-7 from the heart of San Francisco. I love BFF.FM because of what it represents, you know, a uniting of the local music community. The diversity of shows is way more fun than any kind of commercial radio you might find. Become a monthly donor and you'll be connected to a cool community of music lovers helping us build strong community radio for San Francisco our besties. I get to go to these cool bestie bashes and I get to have a sweet members only pin and I get to feel like I'm contributing to the community. Join us at bff.fm slash donate. bff.fm streaming with my besties. Streaming with, I guess we're newly besties. Mm, yes. <laughs> feel like I've known you forever, Rivera. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, apparently you lived, no, you didn't live, but you would come over the bridge and go to work in the financial district, yes. right? Yes, I worked at a place called Small Foods, and uh, it's no longer there because uh, it's too small to survive. But mm. uh, no, I, I worked in the kitchen at a place over there on 2nd Street. Uh, it was my first job after I got in recovery, which uh, was, was, I don't know, it was very cool to work there and work in the kitchen and stuff after years of hating my jobs that I had. And, uh, yeah, and I was listening to that. I was telling you, I was listening to that Yesu song. It was uh, Stan Low, the song. Uh, and uh, when I was coming across the bridge, that song would hit, usually in the summer morning. Uh, and I was I was experiencing a breakup that year, and it was, uh, it was a nice song to listen to over a bridge with the sun, sun hitting like the... The way the sun hits the bay, and even like before, I would it would start actually before we crossed the bridge. Uh, and if you look, there's all those cranes mm -hmm. that are over there in, in, Oakland. in the Oakland port. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what it is. It just makes makes they all remind me of the uh, the Adats in uh, Star Wars and mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back, and something about them looking all uh, in the morning light with uh, listening to that weird song, and uh, just something something sounded really nice. Aww. And if you're going through a breakup and you're on a bus, you can do that little forlorn stare out the bus window. In a way, yeah, in a way. <laughs> you know, she's you know she was miserable too, so I think it worked out good. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, and she she found she found she got into recovery as well, and more power to her. She's right she's on. good people. We're friends today still, so that's that's rare. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. So that set started off with uh, the Melvins, Little Judas Chongo. Yes. And then Soundgarden, Room a Thousand Years Wide. Excellent song. It's a, that was, it's a, one of my favorite songs that I heard when I was a kid. And I, my buddy Jason, he might be listening to it right now, but um, he, uh, he's one of my friends uh, from growing up, one of my best friends. And um, we got into Soundgarden long before they became like a 90s staple band. Uh, and, and so we had their early cassettes, uh, Ultra Mega Okay and Louder Than Love. And then they released Bad Motor Finger. He tuned out during that time. And I still like Bad Motor Finger. And that's the song that's on that album. And, um, and what I was really proud of is years later, um, when I found out that the Melvins and Soundgarden, I always knew they knew each other, but I didn't know how tight they were as friends. They were actually... Uh, very, uh, they were good friends and respected each other's bands a lot. And King Buzzo, uh, when when Chris Cornell died, King Buzzo was in some interviews talking about them because there were two bands that got to play at Chris Cornell's memorial, 
Uh, one was Paul McCartney because he loved the Beat. His, his two favorite bands were the Beatles and the Melvins, hmm. which is a nice contrast. And yeah. and so the Melvins came and and performed at his memorial playing Spoon Man, which is a song I hate, but I like the way they played it. And uh, <laughs> but Buzzo in an interview was talking about that song Room a Thousand Years Wide and how cool it was, and I'm like. That's one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. So yeah, mm-hmm. so we I got back into this album pretty pretty bad lately, and mm-hmm. and been listening to that. So yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, you felt validated. You oh, like yeah. that song too? Yeah, when one of my favorite <laughs> artists likes one of my favorite songs by mm-hmm. another artist that I had no idea they that mm-hmm. they respected as much. And I don't know. It's it's cool to see that. So yeah. And then we ended off on Yesu. Yes, Stan Low. Stan Low. Yeah, I have no idea what that song's about, but it sounds really nice. Ah. Uh. Yeah. That's cool. Going yeah. over a bridge, very dramatic. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, cool. I'm on a bus. I'm not jumping off it. Oh right? uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm on a bus. Can't You're jump meaningful, off a bus. David. Yes. Thinking about deep things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. So. Let's hear these questions. Yeah. We got, got. We're gonna. We're gonna test out some deep, a, deep and meaningful questions. Got a book of questions here. <laughs> These are my notes. Yeah. Trying to, you know, this is my uh, striving to be Terry Gross, Oprah, um, Barbara Walters, testing right, it out, testing test it out. Let's see. What would they do? What would they do? How would they sound? <clears throat> so, <laughs> what's one of your earliest music memories? Oh, uh, uh, pretty much. There's probably one before it, but I cannot, I, I think, as far as just I know that's fully conscious was when I was five years old, I really fell in love with the song Every Breath You Take by The Police. Mm. And I, I harassed my parents into getting me the cassette. I think it's Synchronicity that has that album or has that song on it. And I lost it. It's somewhere, it got lost with my dad's stuff because my parents were going through a, a long, painful divorce during that time. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was the first song that really like resonated with me. Because there's other songs I bet I know there probably are. If I really like, I'd have to sit and concentrate. But just knowing full well that like a song instantly was every breath you take. And hmm. uh, and then a couple years after that, uh, I remember getting or maybe a year or two was Chart Action '83. I got that album or the, it was a cassette of like hit songs from like that time. And it had a lot of my favorite songs that were on the radio a lot. There was like uh, Golden Earring had a song called Twilight Zone that I liked a lot. And um, I think there was an Adam Ant song on there. There's other like one hit wonder songs that I remember. From Which that album time. was this? It was it was just a it was a collection of hits from that year called Chart Action eighty three. Chart Action eighty three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was weird. I just had this cassette and I would listen to listen to it to death. Mm-hmm. So um so who do you think influenced your music taste? Me? Yeah. But, or who else, who else is in here? That's I right. Know, Good, question. Like... Good question. Me? <laughs> You're talking to me? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, who influenced my... That's... that's uh, you know, it's funny. Probably um, earliest on, my mom had a big influence just because we'd be stuck in her car a lot, driving wherever, and would have to listen to a lot of Michael Jackson's Thriller, Lionel Richie, Prince, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that women of, of that time, young women at the time, would listen to a lot. Um, and that and that definitely, because I do have a, a big love of R&B, like, you know, good R&B and, and um, you know, stuff of, of that nature, good funk and stuff. Um, 
and that's stuff that she was more into. And then I, I didn't, but I got into the stuff that I think probably had more of a, a scarier nature. As you get, as I got older, I got really like into stuff that music that would kind of like you know freak you out. Um, and the imagery, because like MTV came up. So probably MTV had a huge influence on like not just me, my whole generation, because mm -hmm. it, it it turned music into movies and all the mini movies. Matter of fact, we just lost one of the guys from a from a band that was a huge influence was ZZ Top because mm -hmm. um, you know the, they basically became a phenomenon overnight because of their videos after seeing like that they were making these videos but they ended up becoming like kind of you know uh, mascots of that whole movement at that time and I was you know perfect kid for when I mean we didn't get MTV right away it would pop on 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 every now and then because we didn't have cable and then my parents slowly would be able to afford cable and then we got it, but once we got MTV, yeah, it's like I mean, it's just like you know, being being on crack the whole time. You're just <laughs> up all night watching watching music videos, wanting to be you know in those bands and stuff. And um, yeah, and there's bands like Def Leppard, Motley Crue, uh, and then uh, but also like you know, pop stuff. Michael Jackson was huge. I mean, mm -hmm. Thriller was part of you know. Michael Jackson was a huge influence on all that stuff, and and he had rock rock and roll. That's the thing about it. I remember when, you know, as as I got older, and people would try to divide like, oh, you're either into good, you know, heavy guitar music, or you're into 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 what you know, hip hop, or what became rap. And I'm like, no, those worlds are actually more connected than people. You know, people in in my school was, were idiots. <laughs> and and they were just thinking like oh you have to like one or the other I'm like no you don't you can like both you morons and <laughs> and the fact and then they tried to blend the two which is another moronic thing because and and that appealed to all the very types of morons that would tell me I could only listen to one or the other when you years later you got your limp biscuits and corns and their fans are complete mm -hmm. idiots <laughs> uh, and, and those those that, uh -huh. anything that appeals to masses is, is just I don't know that's why I don't like any. When I, you know, I, you know, working in comedy, it really is a popularity contest, mm -hmm. which always really tugs at my my. It just makes me cringe that I do this, because on one hand, I, yeah, I want to be a good comedian. I want to make you laugh. I want to do well. On the other hand, I can't stand popularity, and not to say like I can't. I don't like the feeling of of like uh, either being popular or seeing other people get popular, losing friends to popularity. I, I, it's just one of those weird, weird, just kind of things that makes my skin crawl, and yet it's part of how everything works. Uh, mm. I always liked bands that other people didn't like, kind of on principle, uh, <laughs> and then I would get into, you know, as far that's why I love the, the Melvins. They are a band that's like, they have their own, like, solid audience, but they ain't for everybody, and, oh, okay. and, it's, and so that's, you know, if you play them, and I, I sincerely like them, it's not like... But what got me into them at first was their attitude of like this kind of outsider perspective of like they're playing songs I don't understand and yet their attitude is really cool and that's what got me into them. Huh. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's what I told you, long answers. I told you. It's gonna wow. be long answers. Hey. You know what? We learned a lot. We learned a lot. You like the underdog. Yeah, you don't well, like being... I'm Mexican. That's what Mexicans do. <laughs> that's, that's Mexicans true. are all about the underdogs. Uh so. well, this uh this next set starts off with some Sonic Youth. Yes, uh, this they. I've just been listening to them more lately. I, they're not like they're a band that I've I've always liked, but uh, I I was just going when I was looking for songs for you. I'm like, oh, I've been listening to Sonic Youth a lot more, so picked one of my favorite songs of theirs. So yeah.
Sonic and Youth. Sonic Youth. They're not around anymore, too. So that's the. I mean, they quit. Yeah. They stopped being a band. Unlike the Melvins, again, best band on the planet. I'm just. I'm gonna say it again and again. They'll be playing to the grave. Okay. So yeah, that's how they are. Yeah. We got some, and then Jesus Lizard. Hell yeah, Jesus Lizard. Oh yeah. No, it's Jesus Lizard. That's okay. Okay, let's go with uh, Screaming Skull by Sonic Youth.
My bad. Whoops. <laughs> My bad, y'all. Okay. Um, I was multitasking a little too much. Accidentally and... closed the app. Oh. No, we don't have apps here. It's all oh, vinyl. Oh, it's not that. It's vinyl. Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> stopped the vinyl record from scratching. Yeah. From, from playing. <laughs> um, that was... Local band too, so I don't want to mess with their song. No, they're from uh, Sacramento. Yeah, yeah I mean they're, they're like they're close. They're localish. Yeah. Localish. Yeah. Okay, let's get back in there.
Wu-Tang. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, that wasn't Wu-Tang. I know. I just say that. I say uh, it's been my been sort of like a, oh, yeah, say Wu-Tang. Okay, so yeah. that was Chrome Ghost out of Sacramento and their mm-hmm. song Halo. Mm-hmm. Before that, we had... Jesus uh, Lizard. Jesus Lizard, Boilermaker, and Boiler Sonic Maker. Youth Screaming Skull. Screaming Skull. Yeah. yeah. So, I did not know that Thurston Moore was cheating on, on Kim... On Kim Gordon, you, you informed me of this, and this has like led to the breakup. Yeah, had no idea. Heart's <laughs> was, broken now. I was giving him some rock and roll cheese, me yeah. some uh, some gossip yeah. behind the scenes. I don't know the update. If you guys want to update me on Instagram, it's Lunch in the Key of Life. Twitter, Lunch in the Key. And Keep it in your pants, Thurston. Oh, All right, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't mean to be the TMZ, music TMZ, lunch in the key of life. (laughs) Man, more like, yeah, he's, I don't know what he was doing on his lunches. But yeah, Uh yeah, so I'm learning all this stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry. I was giving giving you some cheese, man. Mm-hmm. Cheese me, cheese me on the, okay, so let's talk about the pandemic. Yes. How did that affect comedy? Uh, Especially with wonderfully, you. it shut it down. Uh, it was great. I was, I mean, for other, I was, I love. Here's the thing: I like doing comedy. It's uh-huh. great, and whatever. But I love seeing my fellow comics be utterly disappointed, and uh, it's like watching, it's like watching bees attack somebody. Um, it's uh, like they. I, I, I love my comedy community and all that. I say that because you know, as a precursor to like, I enjoy watching, because a lot of them are all. I mean, it's it's a lot of. There's a lot of delusion in, in stand-up comedy. Nothing uh-huh. wrong with that. Well, no, uh-huh. there is something wrong with that. Uh, when you have to associate with them, and, and there's a lot of projection, a lot of all this stuff. You know, these are people that, like, you know, everybody wants... I get that people want to be successful and all that stuff, but also let's focus on right now. Uh, entertaining an audience that you have here and all that kind of stuff. They're always on their phones, always, like, trying to... Be it somewhere there's grass is greener or something like that. And it ain't any greener anywhere else. So you're talking about the audiences in San Francisco? No, I'm talking about the comics themselves. The comics. Audiences are fine. Audience, oh. if you got an audience, that's that's who they're, they're, you know. I watch, actually just watched a comedian who has credits, who's, who's from New York. I hosted at a show. And this dude spent, like the first show went well uh, with him. But the second show, because I could tell he wasn't getting like the immediate... Uh, response that he wanted and he went full on defensive on him and he basically ran he ran the light he was only supposed to do 20 minutes Mm. he ended up doing 35 bumming everybody out because he's trying to do he was trying to to get laughs attacking them and make Mm. making because he again it's like he couldn't he he was trying not to do any material we knew that Mm. right away uh his first ses- his first show went well when he was riffing and talking with the audience, but the second show, he was trying to go the the New York defensive route, calling them fake woke and all this stuff, and it was really just not. It was just off putting. He could make them laugh. He made them laugh a few times and stuff, but then it turned into a TED talk about the caste system in India and how it was affecting America, and then it was some other nonsense or whatever, and he was trying to close strong, and he wasn't, and he was doing it for like 15 minutes longer than he needed to, uh, and we knew that. He knew that. It was very indulgent. And I was like, that's kind of what a lot of comedy looks like to me today, where it's either it's either overly pandering, or it's trying too hard to not be. It's too self-aware. It's not, it's not a lot of real people saying things from 
I think like a like a sincere place, which is what I, I liked a lot of comedy that I grew up on. They were like genuine outcasts, mm-hmm. and it was okay to express unpopular thought in a comedy. Uh, in a so comedy. what about the pandemic? Pandemic really just I think made made it, it shut everybody up. That's what I love. <laughs> You just wanted a moment of silence. Oh, it was nice. It's I mean, called it was, the Great Pause. A lot of people are great, calling it the it was, Great Pause. It was the Great Equalizer. Yeah. It, it shut everybody up. It shut, big and small. Like there were no shows mm-hmm. at the local level. There was no shows at the at the at the high you know major league professional level, and and then now I got introduced the very first week of the pandemic. I got introduced to Zoom, which mm-hmm. I knew nothing about. Uh, mm-hmm. I got asked to do a show uh, that was going to have a private audience. It was going to tip generously. That's what I was told. So I'm like, and I'm a whore for money. I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sh- I got a laptop. I got the means to do it. I, I checked out Zoom. And and next thing you know, I'm doing this show that ended up, because all my shows got canceled. I had like half my month in, in, for half my month's rent in, in you know, saved up. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna either have to you know live off my savings, or I'll go find a part-time job, or I'll do whatever I got to do to get through the pandemic. Um, I did this show, and I made enough that to pay the rest of my rent. And then I, the gears started turning, where I'm like, not so much just not for money, but as far as like I know that I have that people are stuck at home. I know that I have friends. We have we have a podcast at the time that me and a friend could turn into a weekly show. Uh, on Zoom, we could cultivate a small audience. We could do this and and make it work, and that's what we did. And we ended up kind of having um, these these weekly and monthly shows. That uh, at least in the ones that I ran, I ran one with Nina G, my friend, who's a uh, the only Bay Area's female stuttering stand up comedian, very funny lady. Um, and uh, we ran a lot of shows together doing this thing called the Comedy Show and Tell, which was not like. A stand-up comedy show is where we had comedians come on and share like an object that they care about for a few minutes, hmm. and then we'd ask questions, and um, and then we also had another show called Another Terrible Podcast by Comics, me and my friend Erie Diamond, and that was a podcast that we then turned into a weekly Zoom show, and our audience was like a lot of uh, like a core group of like five to ten people, and then some people would join in here and there in addition. But it would be these small groups of people, and it kind of resembled the support group. Yeah. And and it was a, a humorous support group. That where, happened to me too. Yeah, where like mm-hmm. the audience was was just as much the the, the performers as the performers. It's like we mm-hmm. bring on weekly performers, but our audience tended to be like you know kind of characters themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, and we had we had a lot of fun. I think through that all, we made it. We got through that and all that. And uh, and it was it had its ups and downs as well with all that. But then. Um, and then outdoor shows came along, and I was doing, I was, you know, sign me up. I'll do outdoor shows. I didn't care. Uh, unfortunately, it's like I'm I'm very much with all the safety measures and all this kind of stuff, but also I'm about paying my rent without having to dip into my savings. So mm-hmm. um, regard, I wasn't being, like, too unsafe, but and no, luckily nobody near me got sick. So everything was, you know, the, as far as everything I was doing, I felt like it was, you know, with, with precaution and all that. But, um, but, yeah, and then as soon as... Uh, and then things started opening back up and, and whatnot. So as far as it, we actually, there's a great thing. My, my friend Nina G made these uh, episodes called Comedy Time Capsule, and it's on YouTube. If you look up Comedy Time Capsule with Nina G, uh, she did these great interviews with all these comics from the Bay Area uh, talking about the pandemic and how it affected comedy, what they thought was going to happen as a result of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think a lot of, there's been a lot of good where, like, yeah, we have, we have a combination of new outdoor shows, drive-in shows, 
we ran a drive-in show actually in in where I live in Newark. Um, we did that last summer, and then uh, online shows. Like I think a lot of people were still doing streaming. There's still Zoom and streaming shows. Uh, so we know we have an option if things, you know, have to mm-hmm. re- do that again. So if they have to do another lockdown. Yeah, I have young kids, and even when I had my own personal lockdown when I was like, when I just had these babies, mm-hmm. and I still wanted to laugh and connect with people. So I kind of like how there's options now, mm-hmm. like, you know, for streaming and stuff, if there's any reason you need to be home. Um, so did you have any, like, songs that, like, got you through the pandemic? Songs specifically? Yeah. Um, I yeah, mean, I, I, mostly music. I've always, I think, I've, uh, there were, there probably was some. Um, what was songs that got that? I listen, my friend has a label called Transylvanian Recordings. Uh, you can find his band camp on transylvaniantapes.bandcamp.com uh, or whatever. Um, and he put out a lot of music during the pandemic. Uh, that's where Chrome Ghost, they released that, that uh, EP from that song. Uh, that's on there. And uh, he released a lot of music through the pandemic that I got very much into. Uh, I wouldn't say so much like specific songs, but he puts a lot of death metal, doom, all that kind of stuff. So when you want music that sounds like a soundtrack for the end of the world, he's got it. Okay. And, um, and then also my friend Andy, who's in this band called Captain Three Leg out in Iowa, um, he, was, he was also like, he was putting out music and stuff, and he hit me up to do vocals uh, for a track. Uh, this was before the pandemic, but like right before. And I got to be on a song uh, of, for Captain Three Leg, uh, and, and he released that. And so then he was, he was also doing some stuff during the pandemic, like um, he was putting out releases, but also like challenging people to check out uh, one of his re- old releases once a day for like three months or whatever. Oh, so he was using like Bandcamp to release stuff? Yeah, I, ban- yeah I that's on Bandcamp. I love what Bandcamp yeah. was doing during the pandemic. Oh yeah, and they did the first Fridays. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. doing the first Friday stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But actually one of the, I, I wouldn't say so much a song, but one of the bands that I got into uh, from, it slowly from slightly before the pandemic and then uh, got way more into during it was uh, Shit Kid, who will be playing here shortly in, nice. the, in the last chunk. Um, and they're a band that like I got introduced to through the Melvins. They were supposed to play a show with the Melvins in Berkeley in the in the summer of 2019, but they had a falling out that was actually pretty hilariously documented by by them, and they made a zine about it all. And it was by Shit Kid. Yeah, yeah, it was it was over a misunderstanding over a piece of art, and mm-hmm. uh, and they. You know, them being from Sweden and, you know, uh, Melvin's from America, the communication breakdown that happened between their texts was pretty funny. Um, didn't make them look good. Like, it didn't look like Shit Kid was in the right or the, it, or the Melvin's real. Mel- made, it basically made you understand why the Melvin's did what they did. and But it also kind of like, I get where Shit Kid was coming from. They basically misunderstood a piece of art as thinking that they were the guy. the The Melvins directed them to this use this piece of art that it, that wasn't what they they did at all. They're artists. They collaborate with people, mm-hmm. and this uh, drawing of a of a naked woman's body with a clown head was done by a 19 year old daughter of one of their collaborators, uh, Tom Hazelmeyer. It was his daughter who made the drawing, who loves Shit Kid. And so these these girls were pissed off at the Melvins thinking that they were using this drawing 
like kind of being made by dirty old men when it was like no it was a 19 year old girl that made this drawing because she's inspired by you and and so so it was this weird miscommunication that never like once it was once they crossed that line no, you know they wouldn't save face they were just trying to save face and they uh. really so it was and it was and it was funny because these are like hipsters from sweden the shit kid girls and well mainly one the one who's like the leader of the group and i even had an exchange with her on facebook and i could tell that it's like i get that you're trying to fit in with the millennial and and the generation z around the world and I being in being woke she was trying to appear uh, no, woke. If I saw that i would think that women were being objectified she if you should see their album covers yeah because <laughs> they, they they're but yeah. they're doing they're choosing to do it they're, themselves they, well then to themselves now understood mm-hmm. the collaboration of working if you're working with people that you trust their artistic vision and collaborating with uh-huh. them and if you had questions about where a sort like because you you're thinking that something's being exploited, but the but it was made by a woman as well. But still, like, so the, what, they, how is that? They didn't know the background. Exactly, they just saw and when women it was being objectified. when it was explained, it wasn't so much. No, they weren't, they weren't being. No one was. It was a drawing. It was a drawing. It was a drawing. It's a. Huh. It was. A, it was a pencil, like or like a pen drawing. Mm-hmm. So because uh, that's what that's what it basically became this this center point of like of between the two of them. It's like. People want to argue. It's been, this whole last year has been all about people not conceding to like, yeah, I might be overreacting. All mm. right, and and I even wrote a joke about it because well, people were. We are going to play some of this everything. music, and I'm going to Google it and figure out what I believe. Who was <laughs> in the wrong here? Once again, it's TMZ of music. Yeah, music TMZ. Right. We got some chisme. It's the second round what is of chisme. chisme. You've said Ch- this over and over. Chisme is the Spanish word for gossip. Oh, God. Okay. And well, you... no, I'm Mexican, but I don't know Spanish. <laughs> well, even if... I feel like if you if you grow up around... Uh, my, my grandmother. No, there was no, no chisme at our house. Oh, well, I'm Puerto no. Rican. Like, oh, there's really... always chisme well, with, my, with my aunties and everyone. So you got to be aware of the cheesemen. Make sure they're not talking about you. But when we're talking about bands, why? I mean, yeah, let's let's uh, me on the lunch in the key of life. I'm Rivera here with BFF, Best Frequencies Forever. We're going to play RZA and the Black Keys, Baddest Man Alive. And then we're going to play Shit Kid. And I'm going to Google this whole... Was the illustration objectifying I'll women? Show it to question. You right now. Oh shit! Oh shit! Cheese man, let's yeah, go. Yeah. Hell, cheese man. <laughs>
discussion about the male gaze. Not here. really. Not well, really. Cheese me. Cheese me. Um, so yeah, we've come to the end of your um, of your music. Um, oh, you didn't get the last song. We yeah, we last. were looking for it, and then that's what I was trying to add a, an extra song, but I'm figuring out my 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 crate of vinyl here. I didn't have the song prepared. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a I have a tablet, and I couldn't get the song loaded up. That's what that technical difficulty was, but it's okay. Um, that last song was Shit Kid, and that was what the chisme gossip was about, mm-hmm. of who was in the right or wrong with the misunderstanding with the Melvins. Um, I, I feel very invested, and I don't really know much about these bands. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going on with most of today. We're hella invested in shit we don't know about. <laughs> um, and then before, before that was Baddest Man Alive... Um, by RZA and uh, the Black Keys, and that's from the Man with the Iron Fist soundtrack. Yep. Yeah. Best thing about it, really. The movie was okay. Do you have any deep philosophical knowledge to give us before you head out today? No. Well, I think I've said my piece. Okay. <laughs> Did you have any more questions? What were you questions? You had more questions. I had more there. questions, what yeah. Um, let's see. We, we were talking about how did you... Continue your craft during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we kind of went through that. Yeah. Um, who is the most influential person in your life? In my life? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. That's a hard one. Um, the most influential person in my life, probably my... Well, I mean, there's a combination of people. I mean, it's my parents. I got four mm-hmm. parents. Uh, my mom, my dad, my stepmom, and stepdad. They've mm-hmm. all been pretty influential on... My upbringing, even when I didn't like them. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, my friend Nina G, she's been pretty influential on me in the last few years, not just uh, being a, a good friend as a comedian, but um, I learned a lot about uh, what the Americans with Disabilities Act, because uh, it turned out I was covered as a, uh, as a recovering addict. It's, it's, mm. it's looked at as a mental illness when you're in recovery. And, um, and so we... Finding out that we had rights under that and uh, with the pandemic and being able to meet and stuff like that, that our, our rights, that that's why um, the, the health departments in states and stuff never gave a flat out no as far as addicts and alcoholics meeting. And that's because uh, they are essential accommodations. Um, we just have, there's a lot of gray area there because it's like you need, a, you need a place that's going to allow you to meet and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's probably in best, best interest to, you know, operate under, you know, whatever guidelines. But there's a lot of people who are addicts and alcoholics who are stubborn. Who some of them don't even believe in the shit. So that's that's another problem and all that. But mm. um, but it was cool that that but also people adapted also having meetings on Zoom and stuff. And so so um, but Nina when she got me involved in all that, um, it kind of made my made me kind of have a different uh, attitude towards um, towards my recovery and then learning more about disability. And um, kind of the intersectionality of all that, and then kind of finding a sense of purpose with comedy and, and doing. We're doing a lot of gigs. We're actually doing this Wednesday uh, streaming on Facebook Live is the Americans with Disabilities Act 31st anniversary uh, celebrize, they call it. And we got to, Nina and I are the hosts. Uh, so we, it's, it's kind of pre recorded, but we've, we, uh, we made the introductions and, and outros for it. 
And uh, we were working with Danny Woodburn, who is the little person uh, that people know from Seinfeld. Hmm. He's been on there quite a bit. He was one of Kramer's cronies uh, on that. And he's been in movies and stuff. And it was really cool. It was work really cool working with him. And he was directing us and stuff. So, um, so as far as like, yeah, as far as uh, my friendships, Nina G's been one of the, I don't have like a single one influential person probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lately I've been hanging out with some of my best friends, uh, of which Jason's one of them. Uh, some of my best friends from growing up and we've been, uh, these are like the guys that were the funniest people to me when I was growing up and I don't, I don't consider myself really that funny. They're the funny ones and I just like making them laugh. And then, um, so yeah, so when, uh, the pandemic really, uh, got us, we, we were having zoom hangouts and these are guys that hadn't seen each other in like 10, 20 years. And I've stayed in touch with all of them. So it's been really cool to watch them all reconnect and, and we've been having some hangout sessions lately and, uh, having a lot of fun. So, cool. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the upcoming show with Nina G. Do you have any other upcoming shows you'd like to plug? Yeah, all the time. Uh, tonight, even. I'm at Local Brewing Company here in San Francisco at 7 o'clock. Uh, I do believe it's a free show. Maybe there's tickets. I don't know. Show up and find out. Uh, and then uh, tomorrow, I'm in Concord. At, or no, not Concord. It's Walnut Creek at Retro Junkie uh, over there doing a, doing a show over there. And then Thursday, I'll be at the Bat 40 Texas Barbecue right next door in uh, Pleasant Hill. And uh, yeah, there's that. And then Saturday, I'm on the Best of SF Comedy on Zoom. You can look at Best of SF Comedy online and uh, you'll find the Zoom link for that. That's free to attend. And then Sunday, I'm in Petaluma at the Roaring Donkey. So that's all this week. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Rivera. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to play some more local tunes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, you know what? Our emotions went all over the place today. We had some, some soulful jams. We had some heavy music. Um, we had some, we have, we're all over. But you know what? It's lunch in the key of life. And, you know, that's how life is sometimes. I'm death. <laughs> <laughs> To the stars when they on KKK flags, the disrespect. I get more credit from Amax. Used to dread such honesty, now I feel like I'm six black. They all read me wrong, like they live with a crib sack. West love for me, they ain't a nigga, they wouldn't bitch slap. So never cross the line, ain't no need to even try. Cause if you ever took a shot, the gun would only go click clack. My shit boom, sitting in rooms, manifesting plaques. My back on the wall, and I still feel like a Michael Jack. Truth be told, some of y'all forgot you black. I never had to beg for respect, they give me that. Somebody tell them, tell them they can probably learn lessons from that. I suffer from anxiety, I know how to master attack, nigga. <laughs> I 
for far too long And now I'm talking my shit No humble brags, I'm spilling red to the silhouette that don't fit And yet they overlook how deep my sonic overtures get My range extend from ocean floors up towards an obelisk tip Anything they can't corral between four corporate walls They can't be bothered with Was made for me, no man can tear asunder This is providence, evolved in the diamond shower Bags of powder and black power fists We can unpack that all after I'm back home from a power trip Y'all live in a vacuum if you ain't up on side rock still Voices the act of God and trying to fight for three bills Trying to deny my role, I ain't one of rap's backbones revealed Slip on a disc so they get the gist of how much direct pain I feel Sometimes, these hurdles make the task rather Sisyphean But the wind is still enticing, I'm a tad Sicilian That's why I fight for black survival through this syllabic medium They say that out the crisis comes the dopest path through your freedom, Zara I love to fucking work, my nigga. Because I love maximizing my capabilities. I love maximizing my creativity, my nigga. If I'm in a hot car showing off in the hood all day, I'm not fucking working, my nigga. It's a pain in the ass sometimes, but I get this shit done. Who gives a fuck when you're working? Work, my nigga. Work.
jamming here in the at the ferry building this is bff.fm best frequencies forever you're listening to lunch in the key of life and i am rivera i have a thing for krungbin right now uh i live 10 years in texas and they're from houston texas so i got a little bit of texas pride i'm thankful for for one of our previous guests megan hayes a writer for uh killing my lobster she brought a krungbin track on to our show and i have been so into them lately that last track was a remix of pelota one of their songs um and it's from a new album of remixes it was remixed by quantic and um i apparently i played a quantic song last week with um Nydia, I think it was Mordova or something like that. Yeah, so Quantic, Krungbin, all great. Love it. And before that was Twin Shadow. Um, Twin Shadow, and the name of the song is Is There Any Love? And we started off that set with Chrysis, um, who's a producer, and he was... There were two female rappers on that track. And I really want to get their names here. They are Rhapsody and Sayrock. S-A-R-O-C. Rhapsody and Sayrock. They uh, one's from North Carolina, one's from Atlanta. I was really feeling that track. So now we're going to move on to some local music. Um, I got some jazz, some local jazz. Speaking of jazz, walking on the way here to the ferry building, I saw a little mobile jazz thing. Oh, yeah, it's called Bay Area Jazz Mobile, bayareajazzmobile.org. It was a nice little setup. And um, they have this cute little van and this little stage and they go around to outdoor events and and they had these sandwich boards with the um qr codes so that you can give tips on venmo and uh all of all of the qr codes for all of the tips i just thought it was a very nice little system Um, The reason I'm bringing that up is that I found some local jazz to play. And I'm always looking for more local jazz musicians throwing it in, making it eclectic. We do have a long history of jazz here in San Francisco. Um, But my next track is going to be Cassiopeia. Or it's Cassiopeia. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Um, Apparently... This is my old friend Hannah. I used to know her a few years ago. Didn't know that her music is pretty awesome. You go, Hannah. When we come together, I've been waiting way too long. When we come together, you've been wondering way too long. We come apart and then I wonder where you are 
Moving my eyes a little too fast Starting to forget the dream that sung me here I get out of bed looking for a paper trail Of reflections that remind me of who I am There will be a voice behind you saying
Nice, good. So that was Nina Shaloub, who's a Lebanese Arab vocalist, and playing the bass was Marcus Shelby. Um, and so he had a speaking part in that Disney movie, um, Soul. So he, um, he is a jazz musician, a bassist in San Francisco. And he, I think he leads the Healdsburg Jazz something. But anyway, he's part of the jazz scene here in San Francisco. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, big time, yeah. So he's a big jazz guy. And so I wanted to include some jazz. And before that, there was the wind-ups. Yep, the wind-ups. Take all the credit. And Cassiopeia uh, crying. Something about crying. <laughs> it was uh, Please Don't Cry. And um, so I'm going to play a Stevie Wonder song. And the next song you hear after the next voice you hear after mine, I'm handing over the mic to Nino and Espresso Sesh. So take good care of him. And uh, just. Uh, Oh, yes, yes. He'll take good care of you. Have a nice little espresso sesh after lunch. Okay, well, um, I had a great time this afternoon. I hope you did too. And uh, keep it locked for espresso sesh. <laughs> 